Well, hello, everyone. My name is JB with Not By Works Ministries. Thanks so much for joining us for the podcast today. It is Monday, January the 30th, and I'm so excited to have just a, a real special friend and colleague of mine, uh, Bill Perkins, joining us here in just a moment. But before we get to that, I want to start with a couple of uh, quick announcements. Don't forget, tomorrow night we begin our Prophecy Night series at Plum Creek Chapel. Uh, if you're in the Denver metro area, we encourage you to come out at 6 o'clock Mountain Time. Really excited about the kickoff to this new Tuesday night Prophecy night at Plum Creek. I'll be uh, talking about uh, why prophecy matters now more than ever, and I've got several uh, prophetic reasons that uh, from Scripture that indicate we may be living in the last of the last days. So 6 o'clock to 7.30 Mountain Time, we will be live streaming that tomorrow night. So if you can't make it in person, uh, please uh, tune in via our website at notbyworks.org. And then we've got a full week full of uh, podcasts. Uh, tomorrow, uh, we'll be airing a special podcast with the Biblical Citizens Role out of San Diego. I know you'll want to be sure and catch that on Tuesday. And then on Thursday, I'll be back with uh, David Fiorazzo of Stand Up for the Truth Radio. And uh, so you can look forward to that later in the week. But as we begin our uh, podcast today, I want to mention Revelation chapter 22, verses 20 and 21. Now, those of you Bible scholars in the audience uh, probably recognize right away, those are the last two verses in our Bible. And it reads, He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming quickly. Amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. And as you know, we are passionate about the soon coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and that's why we believe in the urgency of the gospel, not only because we're not promised tomorrow uh, and uh, life is but a vapor, but also because the Lord has promised to come back, and we want to sound the alarm as we see uh, things getting closer and closer to uh, the end times. And so I first met Bill and Susie, I think it was about 15 years ago, 2007 or 8, somewhere along in there. I was working with Logos Bible Software at the time, and uh, Bill and his ministry, Compass International, hosts uh, several conferences a year called Stealing the Mind, and I was there on behalf of Logos helping promote uh, the software. And Bill and I struck up a friendship, and uh, we've worked together many times through the years. We even had the privilege of hosting one of his conferences at a church I was at years ago. Uh, but I really uh, just love the way Bill is passionate about uh, teaching uh, the, the soon coming of our Lord, and, and he actually lives out the principle that the rapture is going to happen soon, very likely in our lifetime. Again, we, we're not setting dates here, but we certainly can follow the instruction of our Lord to look at the signs of the times and see that we're getting closer and closer. So Bill has been a watchman on the wall, sounding the alarm about the rapture for many years, and I also appreciate his breadth of biblical and theological knowledge. I mean, over the years, uh, he's had to have maybe hundreds, probably more, I'll let him uh, clarify in a moment, of top experts in ver in a variety of fields related to eschatology or eschatological subjects at his conferences or at some of his events or cruises. He does Bible land cruises and Grand Canyon trips, and uh, so he just does a great job of exposing truth and introducing his audiences to cutting-edge research and information. And so I really appreciate you. Thank you for that, Bill. And uh, just want to welcome you to the Not By Works uh, podcast. And uh, start by just telling us a little bit about Compass International. Well, thanks, JB. I, Susie and I moved up to Coeur d'Alene, Idaho in 1993. We'd been in uh, Vail, Colorado. We started a church there with another guy. Um, and uh, 
after 10 years, this guy, Chuck Missler wanted me to come up, help him start a ministry. And so we picked up and our kids were young and Colorado was liberal. So we, we moved up into uh, Idaho, which was more conservative. And, and I, I was a, an entrepreneur by I, my background, I guess. And um, I had had many, many careers, um, too many, I guess, probably <laughs> typical for an entrepreneur. And so when I got up here, I was uh, working for a ministry for the first time, working for somebody else. And I lasted about three months. And and then finally, I told Chuck, I said, you know, I think I need to do my own thing and, and I'll still help you with your ministry and all, which I did. And we worked pretty closely together for 10, 10 or 12 years. And I um, was grateful. He was a great teacher and all. But anyway, um, rather than just doing one person uh, uh, teaching, um, uh, push, I don't know if say pushing or, or, or whatever, uh, one ministry, one person, I felt like it needed to be a little bit broader. And so that's where we came up with the stealing the mine is iron sharpens iron. You get many people together uh, sharpening iron and, and you show me your verse and I'll show you my verse. And, and we just kind of started it on the, on the, off the cuff. You know, I didn't really intend to start a ministry, but just by default in my background and all. And, and, and because I've done a lot of uh, starting businesses and starting projects and things like that through the years, it was easy to pick up. And we did do like, we rented three different cruise ships, the whole ship <laughs> back in the nineties, you know, actually into the two thousands. Um, and, and then would pick the ports and, and do all the, uh, the sell off the cabins and get the speakers to come on them and all. Um, and then, ultimately it was uh too much of a risk with all of that so we decided to to dial back and just get nicer ships because we couldn't afford the really big ships with our ministry budget but anyway we, we did the the cruises to go see your bible so we would we would fly over there and 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 see all these different places and, and make the bible come alive and that was part of our ministry it was like make it real in your life. And this is not a long time ago in a faraway place, but it's here and now. And, and it, it just worked fine. So between our, our Bible conferences that we do, the stealing the mind that you mentioned, um, and uh, our trips to uh, Grand Canyon and to Israel, and then to record the uh, recordings from the conference and get that out. You know, we were kind of one of the first ones to go with um, PowerPoint back in the day, you know, and, and doing the uh screens you know where you had video and and slides and stuff to go along with presentations and and it, it helped a lot i think in people to understand what was being taught so we've just been doing that for 30 years now i mean yeah, I, 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 hard to believe <laughs> it is hard to believe you must be old but <laughs> but uh i tell you, you talk about being an entrepreneur you really have uh been a blessing in many ways to uh so many ministries but especially uh ours. And I can't tell you how many times I, as Wendy and I are talking, or now my daughter that works with us, uh, I'll stop and think to myself, what would Bill do? Because you've you've kind of paved the way, I think, in terms of doing this type of parachurch ministry um, that is focused on uh, really end times prophecy. And um, so, yeah, I, I appreciate it. And I love the way your conferences do use uh, technology. Uh, a lot of them do now, but you were kind of one of the first ones to get that going. I can remember back in the day when I was in academics, going to conferences uh, where each of the speakers simply got up and, and read an academic paper. And I meant, remember even back then thinking, 
this is so boring. I mean, and, and I love, I have an academic mind. I love thinking about theology like that, but I'm thinking this could be so much better. And, and I was kind of on the bleeding edge of that too. I used to teach PowerPoint back when it first came out as a, for credit at a college I was at. So, uh, so yeah, I appreciate that. So uh, before we get into some of the topics I want to talk about today, how can folks get a hold of you? It's compass.org. Am I right? Yeah. And that's pretty much it. It's uh, uh that's the simplest way to find us is, is on the web. As, as long as they'll, as long as the web is still open to people. <laughs> yeah, really. I don't know why that's the truth. Be, but but um, as long as the web is available, it's compass.org. And on there, you'll there's different areas. And, and the most interesting area that we've been doing in the last three years has been the what we call our e-news. And we write uh, an article once a week. We have a daily Bible study that goes out that's free and called Good Morning, Lord. But um, we also have this uh, once a week thing that that we write something. It's it's pertinent to the times, um, but it's really what people download it for or, or watch it, uh, scroll through it, is to get to the bottom where I put links to all the latest stuff that's going on. And I, I call it additional resources and I, I use spelling so that they can't track us too well <laughs> with some of the words that you use, you know, and all and, and and it is amazing. It's um you'll you'll have 10 to 20 links of of things that are going on with uh, all the pertinent subjects of the day, you know, whether it's uh, died suddenly or or whatever, you know, whatever's going on today that's in the that that we know that's going on that's tied to Bible prophecy, of course. And um then we we put them there and that's what people like to see. And and it's our list has gone crazy and and grown and it's um to the point where we you know we don't want to catch too much um <laughs> um we don't want to be too big quite frankly. Right. You know, yeah. you know you if you get too big they're going to want to do something to you so we've been kind of skirting under the radar and we we like that and it's great and so we we communicate with 50,000 people once a week and uh, I like it and it's uh, I don't really um uh, worry too much god's got us right where he wants us and, Amen. and there's a lot of stuff going on these days you know, there you know. sure is yeah i mean it's it's amazing i get a ton i'm sure you do too of uh, emails from different ministries all of them helpful but i really believe the compass e-news uh ought to be you know a must for everyone so if you haven't subscribed to that go to compass.org and subscribe to it every time i get your emails uh Bill, and I don't care what I'm doing. I could be driving. Wendy hates it when I'm looking at my phone while I'm driving, but I'll I'll immediately scan through it to see what your articles are about because uh, uh, I always read it. It's just a great a great newsletter. So, one of the things that you and I talked about several years ago, I still remember right where I was. It's one of those conversations that really left an impression on me. And I can remember where I was. I was on campus at Cairn University in Philadelphia. It used to be Philadelphia College of the Bible. And I was between sessions where I was speaking, and we uh, I don't remember if I called you or you called me, but we were talking about something else, and our conversation turned to a a concept uh, of God's plan of the ages that uh, really revolves around a 7,000-year a model for, for human history, for creation. And um, I just remember being very intrigued by that, and then I saw recently uh, in one of your newsletters, you addressed that again. You've got an excellent article about it. And uh, that's one of the main reasons I reached out and asked you to to come on the show is that I would like for you to kind of take the next few minutes here. I'll try not to interrupt and just lay out for us um, 
that concept uh, basically, and just to kind of summarize it, you know, you've got 2,000 years from creation to Abraham, 2,000 years from Abraham to the church, roughly 2,000 year church age, and then a thousand year millennium. And that model seems to be patterned, that 7,000 year model that is, seems to be patterned in various places in scripture. And assuming that that is correct, and I, I lean towards thinking that it is, then it really co coalesces well with a lot of the other signs of the times that we really are living um, really on the cusp of the rapture. And so uh, just take take some time here, and if you don't mind, kind of lay out that 7,000-year model. Well, it, it goes back to uh, creation. And actually, if you think about it, you know, Ecclesiastes says, um, I think it's 1, 9 or 3, 7, I don't know, somewhere in the early parts of Ecclesiastes, it says that in essence, history repeats itself. Whatever was will be again and what was in the past, you know. And so we generals and people that, that study wars and things, they look back in history to see how to fight future wars. And it's, and it's just a biblical principle that you look into the past to see what's going on in the future. It's, it's what the Bible says. Well, what did that's what we do today. What did they do in Jesus' time? Well, they look back also. You know, wherever you are in time, you can look back to see what's going on in the future. If you take that all the way back past Moses and past to Abraham and, and uh, you get back to Adam and Eve, what did they look at? What did they have to look at for that verse to be true for them too? Well, the only thing they had was creation. So if, you, if they looked at that creation week, which were 24-hour days, um, six 24-hour days of creation and one day of rest, um, it's it's kind of fascinating to look at. And um, the first four days of that creation, there was no life of breathing things formed. You know, you had the heavens and the light and the land and the sun and all that stuff. But there was no um, uh, livable, living creature, so to speak. And then on the fifth day and the sixth day, you had uh, life created or was being created. And then on the seventh day, God rested, of course. So that is sort of our pattern now the jews and i didn't know this until just recently but they're they're really the the jewish um people the the rabbinical jews and all those that study their bible law the seven um th this pattern of god's uh future uh that they look at uh they it's it's no it's not out of bounds for them so to speak i mean they're that's a, something that they're all familiar with this 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 model of seven thousand years now what happened is is that back in the day when they um uh, were doing calendars and things they did not one of the jewish historians uh, or one of the big head guys figured out that it the day that jesus came in onto the um donkey was was exactly um at the time of four thousand years and and he didn't want that to be shown and so they changed some of the dating and manipulated the data to throw it off 200 and something years so their calendar is off from our calendar and but but despite that they still watch what's going on and they and they believe this is to be true so then you have messianic jews that, that do look at it differently but here's the thing if it is a, a a model for the future and we know that the bible says that the uh, a day is like a thousand years to god not is a thousand years but like a thousand years so if you take that as a thousand years and you know that um 
uh, if that's one day, then if you get 6,000 years for the rest of the, of the model, it's fascinating to me that after four days of no life or 4,000 years, Jesus comes on the, on the fifth day or the fifth thousandth year and the sixth thousandth year. So you have the church ages kind of built in there very, very perfectly. It fits. So you have this 7,000 year model that's already been uh, laid out uh, in scripture. And you can look at it like Hosea 6, 1 and 2. If you look at those verses, there's no, it's a prophecy that's, that's not been fulfilled. And it says, it's, it talks about three days and there's, no, and it's an unfulfilled prophecy. So what do you do with that? If you, if it, if it doesn't mean a thousand years is, you know, there's a verse that says a day is like a thousand years, a thousand years is like a day to the Lord. And so and even in Psalms, there's a verse 90 something is a, talks about a thousand years is like a day. So anyway, you end up with a 7,000 year model. After 4,000 years, Jesus comes. There's about 2,000 years for the church age. And then you rest for a thousand years and that's Jesus reign on the earth. And it just lines up perfectly. So at the end of the church age, you have a whole bunch of things that if we're at, toward the end, then we should expect us to see these things happening. For instance, uh, Israel is a burdening stone to the world. So Israel should be in their homeland. They should be a burdening stone and they're going to become more of a burdening stone. But we see that in scripture. It says that, that, uh, Ezekiel 38 and uh, 39, uh, if in fact that's uh, Gog and is Russia, and we know that Persia is, is Iran today, but it looks to be that these two nations, Russia and, and Iran, are going to be forming a, a, a treaty with some other people and, and, and that they ultimately invade Israel. And I, it, that's fascinating to me because that's what you would expect to see. And sure enough, today we see Russia and Iran getting together. It says that Israel would have nuclear weapons. Uh, well, th it says that you'd have weapons that the flesh uh, melts off the people before the people hit the ground. You know, it sounds like it's a nuclear weapon. So we're, we're, we're seeing that. We're seeing that the, this nation comes back over there in, in Israel as a... a uh, they regain their language, you know, they, all, all of these prophetic things happening. Then it says, and the most fascinating thing is that in Revelation 6, it says that this guy comes with uh, some kind of drugs and, and begins to conquer everything with drugs. It's, it's a um, pharmacia, right? Pharmacia, right? It's the word that's used. And, and um, so we're seeing that today. And, and, and as we watch all this come together, it's, fits that it's in the end of the 2000 year church age getting ready for the transition so the model fits perfectly if we don't know if the church age began on 33 ad or 30 ad i i tend to think 33 ad and so the the the, the outside um uh 2000 year marker of that would be uh basically 2033 and then you don't know if you subtract seven years or not from that and get 2026 you don't know these things and i'm not trying to date that i'm just looking at the data saying this is what it says this is what we're looking at and if in fact that um well you can take things like for instance in um in exodus um 19 it talks about let me just read it if see if i can find it real quick i I apologize. I, I know I'm on the radio here live. So. No, no, you're fine. This is we're pretty informal around here. I, I can't tell you how many times I've been I've struggled to find a verse mid sentence, and my audience is used to it. 
Okay. Um, let's see. Exodus um, 19. Th this is the kind of things that are all in scripture that, and, and like I mentioned, Hosea 6, 1 and 2, um, but Exodus 19, starting in, in verse 10, it says, um, the Lord said to Moses, go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow and let them wash their garments. Let them be ready for the third day. For the third day, the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. Well, now that verse to me fits this model like a glove because it says, go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. Today and tomorrow, who's consecrated? In the church age, we're consecrated. We're, our sins are paid for. And then let them wash their garments and be ready for the third day. Well, what's the third day? That would be the millennial reign of Christ. And it says that the Lord will come down <laughs> in sight of all the people. That's when the Lord comes down in the sight of all the people. Now, this is just a little verse that's buried in, in the Old Testament. It's talking about something else, but may have a prophetic meaning beyond that. Uh, yeah, and then... And then in verse 16, I'm looking at the text with you. It says, it came to pass on the third day that there were thunderings and lightnings and a thick cloud. And that sounds a whole lot like what Jesus describes in Matthew 24 with his second coming. So, yeah. And, a loud, and it mentions a loud trumpet sound. Oh, yeah. I stopped too soon. Yeah, the sound of a loud trumpet. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. So it's, anyway, it says, be ready for the third day. And they talked about washing their garments in verse 14. But but all of that is a, is those kind of things are all through Scripture. And remember, God is perfect in everything, including number. Just like we know that seven is the number of completion and five is the number of grace and six is the number of man or short of perfection or whatever. And, and 40 is the number of testing and all that. Well, when God created a timeline for the earth, why wouldn't he be uh, organized and say, okay, I've got 7,000 years for people on the earth. This is it. You know, some people may or may not figure it out, but, but that's it. And then, and I'll just go to Hosea because I mentioned it. Um, it's a, it's a fascinating, um, Hosea 6 says, uh, come, let us return to the Lord for he has torn us but he will heal us. He has wounded us, but he will bandage us. He will revive us after two days. He will raise us up on the third day that we may live before him. Now, again, to me, buried in scripture there, let's return to the Lord. Here are the Jews that are that are gone. They, he's torn us, but he'll heal us. He's wounded us, but he's going to bandage us up after two days or I would argue after 2,000 years, he will revive us and he'll raise us up for the third day or the last thousand years. And that to me is a perfect uh, melding of the of the scripture uh, of, of prophecy that we can, can see that this fits that what we call, we, the, we call this whole thing the day-age theory, you know. And, you know, it's based on 2 Peter 3, 8, where it says a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is a day and Psalms 94, 90 verse four um, talks about uh, it's to the Lord a, a thousand years is like a day. So, um, or a thousand years in a sight. It just gives some credibility that since the Jesus came after 4,000 years, I think Usher chronology said 4,004 years. So it hit just about on 4,000 years. And we know the church age is going to be a couple thousand years long. And, and, and if all this stuff is starting to come together at the end of the church age, um, just like it's like we would expect it to be, then I think it fits because we know the last thousand years is a day. 
we know the last thousand years is is fits perfectly because the day of rest after creation you have a thousand years you know so 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 jb you know yeah it's not necessarily uh anything to to split over it's just no, no. It's yeah just things it's, it's hard to argue with you know. Yeah, it's really fascinating. And, and let me bring in a couple of other passages that come to my mind. Uh, first of all, you just said, you know, how the, the thousand year phase of the kingdom, because remember, the kingdom is eternal. Uh, at the end of the thousand years of the older heaven and old earth are destroyed and the kingdom continues in perpetuity when time shall be no more. But the thousand years of it, uh, which we call the millennium, as referenced there in Revelation 20, uh, is called in various Old Testament prophecies, the day of the Lord, you know, in some cases. So the day of the Lord can contextually can refer to the seven-year tribulation, it can refer to the second coming, it can refer to the inauguration of the kingdom, but I just find it interesting it that... It can actually refer to the whole kingdom, because the day of the Lord is referred to with the animals, you know, the non-carnivorous instincts of uh, of the animals. Yeah, no, absolutely, and then going back to the Hosea passage, you know, assuming, again, that there's sort of this uh, allegorical reference to the thousand years, as you've kind of laid out, the first two... Uh, let me get back to it here. The first two days, you know, they're, they're, Israel is torn apart. He's they're in bondage, and and and. Uh, but then he's going to revive them after two days. And to me, that brings to mind Jesus' words in uh, Luke twenty-one uh, when he talks about uh, the times of the Gentiles, how Jerusalem will be trampled by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. So I see the times of the Gentiles going all the way through, not just from well from seventy A.D. all the way through to the end of the tribulation, when, of course, Messiah comes back and uh, throws off the shackles of the revived Roman Empire, destroys the beast and the false prophet, and then ushers in this kingdom of peace, righteousness, and justice. So, you know, I just talked about yesterday, by the way, um, in our uh, Sunday nine o'clock hour at Plum Creek, the uh, Daniel's 70th week. And if you've not watched that, I encourage our listeners to go back and watch that video or listen to the audio podcast, because kind of like Bill is doing, I kind of lay out the chronology there with the decree of Artaxerxes and the timetable that he gives that is fulfilled precisely to the day uh, of Christ's triumphal entry. And so, yeah, it's really fascinating that, um, you know, you've got this this model that you see first uh, portrayed in the creation account and then sort of alluded to and repeated again and again through all kinds of things in Israel's history. Uh, and then, you know, here we are at the nearing the end of the 2000 years. And so, again, as we correlate the data, then, then that's where I bring in, which is what to me gives even more credibility to the concept, uh, several other signs of the times. Uh, so going back to the 33 AD, which I agree with you, I think we definitely uh, believe Jesus was uh, uh, crucified in 33 AD. Uh, he was born in the winter of 5-4 BC. We can say that with certainty because Herod was still living when Jesus was a baby, and Herod died in April of 4 BC. And then, uh, you know, the reason a lot of people think that he died in 30, which it is a fairly common view still, although I think most conservative scholars would say 33 AD, but that's because when they redid the dating into the before Christ and in the year of our Lord, BC and AD, they assumed a zero AD, and because Luke tells us that Jesus was about 30 when he, when he you know, started his ministry or died or whatever it was, they, they picked 30 AD, but I think the best evidence points to 33 AD. So let's go with that, and let's go 2,000 years again, assuming this model, that puts us again roughly at 2033, 
and then you the, the Lord doesn't come back until the end of the tribulation, so you have to take off seven years, and guess what? Now we're at 2026. Well, that gets my attention, because all of the Luciferians are out there touting, and have been for 100 years, 2025, 2026. I saw an article again on Saturday in the uh, online uh, of one of them talking about 2025. We've got uh, um, Alice Bailey and Helena Blavatsky and others back in the 30s and 40s uh, channeling demons, uh, the demon master DK, they call him, that was telling them that the year 2025 is going to be the, the time when the new world order is established. So, uh, and then you've got, uh, I don't know if you've talked about this much on your uh in your newsletters and conferences, but you've got the whole Apophis asteroid, um, which uh, we've talked about before, and I'll be talking about that again coming up in our prophecy night. Um, but you know that uh, you know some of the inside uh, information that that I've seen leaked shows that they believe that that uh, that asteroid is going to hit uh, in. Uh, 29 AD. Um, the official line from NASA is that it'll miss the Earth. Uh, it'll come close enough to take out some satellites, but it won't actually impact the Earth. But again, a lot of good scientists are saying that, no, it is going to hit the Earth. So let's just assume that that does hit the Earth. And then let's assume that that's the trumpet judgment called Wormwood in Revelation chapter 8, which describes an asteroid hitting the Earth. Um, well, if that's that, that that happens according to Revelation at the little bit after the midpoint. So if that does hit the Earth in 29 AD, you take back three and a half years, and guess what? That puts you at 2526. So there's just a lot of precincts reporting. Again, it's it's uh, somewhat uh, a factor of theological synthesis and speculation, not so much "thus saith the Lord," but boy, it, it sure makes a lot of sense to me, don't you think? It, it does, and you know, I meant to mention this. There's a, a place in the in where Jesus was the only time he went to the uh Samaritans, the only the only time that he went to the non-Jews that's recorded in scripture, he says he went there and he stayed there two days. And that's and then it says, and then after the two days, he went back to Galilee. Now, isn't that interesting? The only yeah. place in scripture where it says that he goes to the non-Jews, how long did he stay there? Two days. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yep, there you go. Again, it, it fits, you know, uh, with all this. But but again, we're not we're not saying that the Lord's coming back and, and rapture's happening in 2026. Um it because like for instance, Usher's chronology was four thousand and four years, plus what do you do with the 30 years between um uh Jesus' death and 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 Jesus' birth, you know, what you have people that have tried to explain that. Some people said that was before Adam sinned, and all you got all kind of crazy things out there, but you we don't know for sure. But just looking at the big picture of all this, we're definitely kind of coming to the end of this. And and we can see it. We we know there's supposed to be a world government. Well, that's what they're trying to do. We we know that we're we're going to be in an electronic age where you can't buy or sell unless you, you know, have a, a the, the right credentials either on your hands or or whatever and 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 we're seeing that come together and we're seeing them try to destroy the 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 last bastion of freedom on the earth so that they can get this ready. And so you know, JB, I, I know. Do you did you happen by any chance to see the? I'm gonna get in some dangerous territory here. The the article I wrote about the first time the Holy Spirit left. Uh, I I think I remember seeing it, and we've talked about that. Uh, but go ahead, and then I think I've got a comment on that. 
Okay, good. So there's a, there's a description in Ezekiel, I forget which chapter, about the Shekinah glory, which is the Holy Spirit, when he mm -hmm. left the first time of the earth. And, you know, God's generally uh, does the same thing. And, you know, it's, 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 it, he doesn't deviate much, and, but he gives us an idea. So the, what happened when the Holy Spirit left the first time? Well, the Shekinah glory was in the Holy of Holies, and it says that he left the Holy of Holies and, and went to the front porch of the temple and paused and stopped. Now, I think that's interesting. And then it said it went from the temple to the uh, gate beautiful, the, uh, the, right there on the outside of the temple court, and paused again. And then it said he went to the top of Mount of Olives and paused, and then he left there and went to heaven. And I'm thinking, wow, now, if that's a, a, a pattern for us in the future, and we know that the, the restrainer is the Holy Spirit holding back evil today, um, is it possible, I mean, because things changed in 2000, 2001, things, I mean, everything changed. I mean, we went from one way of life to another. Is it possible that the Holy Spirit, the restrainer, is getting ready to leave, and he's kind of, he's sort of, he's he's loosening his grip, shall we say, about um, letting Satan do some things that he's not been able to do before in order to get ready for the coming of the, uh, his, his, his reign, his takeover, because Satan is going to get the earth. He's going to be king of the earth without restraint, you know, and, and is, I mean, like I said, this is um, theologically tough for somebody as, as brilliant as you are. And I'm, just, <laughs> I'm not a, I'm not a scholar. You, you, you call me a scholar. I'm not at all. All I did, I've just been studying the Bible for the last 40 years and, 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 and from a prophetic standpoint. But to me, that's fascinating of, of how he left the first time and then looking at it today, is there something there? It may not be, but it's possible because I think that when it's, it's possible, God could be allowing Satan to do some things today that he hasn't allowed him to do before. Well, obviously he is because he's doing it, you know, right. and, and, and Holy Spirit hasn't left yet, but um, it's it's something that we can kind of view and see what's going on. Yeah, so I would I would totally agree with the you know the conclusion there. I would nuance it a little bit different uh, differently, but I definitely believe that you know things are getting worse and worse. Second Timothy three thirteen, we are seeing um, the loosening of the restraint. Obviously, we believe that uh, not, that the restraining influence of the Holy Spirit through the church will not be completely gone until the rapture. In fact, I did a message uh, years ago. Uh, uh, I'm going to be doing it again in Florida at a church uh, called One Minute After the Rapture, in which I describe how that restraining influence is gone. The way, the reason I say I would nuance it a little bit differently is that you know we believe in uh, you know the unity of God. One of the uh, immutable attributes of God is His oneness. And, uh, and that that simply means that all that God is applies to all that God is. God is three yet one. So all of the attributes of God apply to the attributes of God the Son, Jesus Christ, and God the Holy Spirit, one of which is omnipresence. So there cannot ever be a locality within time, space, and matter where the Holy Spirit does not exist, but certainly His influence in and through the body of Christ, permanently indwelling believers— creates, as the Bible says, a restraining influence today. And once that restraining influence is gone, then the ministry of the Holy Spirit, just like the ministry of the Holy Spirit today in the church age is described for us in the epistles, some of the, the unique ministries, 
that he has that he did not have in the Old Testament, such as the baptizing of believers into the body of Christ at conversion, the permanent indwelling, uh, the assurance and interceding and so forth. Uh, this, those ministries will all go away. So I don't think he's not going to be present on the earth. Uh, I just think his his ministry will change and evil will run unchecked and it'll be a time of unprecedented uh, evil. But yeah, there's no question that all of these, uh, I definitely, uh, you know, appreciate the, uh, the the idea that things changed in 2000, 2001, and there was a pretty huge event that happened in 2001 that really mimics in many ways the uh, the, the the scamdemic that occurred, you know, some 20 years later. Uh, the Luciferians like to work in 20-year, uh, you know, segments. And, uh, you know, again, they've been targeting the 2020s for many, many years, almost 100 years. Um, they set about in the early turn of the 20th century to, uh, with the Rockefellers, the Carnegies, and uh, others to, to systematically dismantle America and get America out of the way so they could usher in the one world system. They took over the medical world, the scientific world, the education world, the government, the, the economic world with the Federal Reserve. And, uh, and they're pretty patient. Uh, they've been kind of systematically waiting. Uh, I believe Satan really thought that he had a window of opportunity at uh, World War II, um, but of course, God wasn't ready yet uh, to hand over the reins to the Antichrist. Uh, and but since then, uh, since you know 1947, 1948, uh, we've seen just an incredible upsurge in uh, paranormal activity and spiritual warfare, and it's getting worse and worse. Uh, and it just it just seems to fit nicely with the the seven the model of seven. And as you said, you know, numbers mean things in uh, scripture uh, and seven is the number of completeness. And so again, uh, just fascinating stuff. Uh, and I encourage folks to, to, to go to compass.org and I'm sure they can find that recent article that you did outlining this there. Is that right? Can they oh, get yes. that? Yeah, you can, yeah. They, they can look under, uh, if you search our e-news articles under Shekinah, just or glory i guess you can spell glory easier <laughs> yeah and it'll, it'll pop that article up about and just give you the scriptures behind the holy spirit leaving the first time if that's the article yeah. you're asking about yeah yeah that's fine yeah that's good uh and so one of the other things that, that came to my mind i wrote it down as you were talking is that you know one one of the things that kind of marks our ministry that as i speak and travel and talk is i frequently and it's just instinctive for me, but I find myself frequently saying something like, if the Lord tarries is coming, or if we're still here, or if the Lord doesn't come back, uh, because I really believe, and it's been ingrained in me since I was a child, being raised in a Christian family and uh, with a grandfather who who strongly believed in uh, the pre-trib rapture and instilled that in, in my dad and in, in me. Uh, you know, I, so I, I really believe in living it out as if, you know, we don't know. And you frequently do the same thing. As I read your newsletters, you're talking about upcoming trips and you'll say something like, and of course I'm paraphrasing, but you'll say, you know, we're looking forward to this trip in September, of course, assuming we're still here or if we're still here, you know, we hope we're not, but you know, we might still, you know, have it if we're not, if the Lord doesn't come back. So, uh, I just appreciate that making, uh, imminency and the reality of the the rapture a reality you know a, a real thing for people and not just some theoretical uh, you know theology that people argue about in a room so uh so yeah very much appreciate uh you know all of this any other kind of closing thoughts or things that you that are on your radar that really make you go wow it's going to be soon well the the interesting thing that i want to see if i can do this quickly 
I believe that the Bible teaches that the United States um, gets defeated badly, and but that up until rapture, that it won't be defeated. I believe that we'll have electricity up until rapture. I'm, I'm, the days of Noah can't be talking about the second coming. It has to be talking about rapture because it's, it says things are normal, and then things are certainly not normal at the end of the tribulation. So things are normal right up, and it catches people off guard. So I think that there's going to be electricity. I think it's going to be food. I think it's going to be buying and selling and building, uh, according to the passage in Luke. And so, and I think that Revelation 18 is talking about the United States. And so it talks about rapture at the very beginning, and at the the all of the 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 factories stop. Everything stops immediately. It stops, and that's why I had a problem with this last movie. The left behind series that just came out this new movie is they got right after rapture everything's kind of normal you know i'm like no i don't think so i think it's a mess and i think it's going to catch people by surprise and so with that i think that that we've got an opportunity to um be used by god in the lives of those around us up until that time we have to occupy till we come we have to work we have to pay bills we have to you know feed our families do all those things but at the same time, we can be looking at, at what's coming. And it says, when we see these things coming together, it says, comfort one another. Christians are to comfort one another with prophecy that God's going to rescue us. He's not going to bring us through the tribulation. And that's exciting. So there's a Bible prophecy is, is meant to be a comfort. And most, a lot of people see it as a, it scares them. <laughs> yeah. But the Bible says he's going to rescue us. And that rescue from what? From what's coming. The wrath. Yeah, absolutely. He won't necessarily rescue us before things get bad, because, of course, it's bad for a lot of Christians over the last 2,000 years who've been martyred and persecuted. And, you know, Jesus specifically promised in this world we'll have trouble. Uh, Paul, in the same passage where he talks about how things are going to get worse and worse, says, look, godly, those who desire to live godly are going to suffer persecution. But absolutely, he will rescue us before that great and terrible day of the Lord. Um, I know a lot of my uh, listeners that have followed Not My Works for years know that I take a different view on on the days of Noah, but you know, a lot of good people disagree on that. And you're in good company with some pretty, pretty solid uh, scholars. And so we don't want to, that's not something to, uh, to split hairs over, but either way, uh, I actually agree, not for the same reasons, because of my view, I, I take uh, the Olivet Discourse is entirely about the second coming, but I definitely agree that it's very possible the United States will not be uh, destroyed until after the rapture. Um, I think it's possible it might be, but more and more, you know, like people ask me all the time about uh, central bank digital currencies, which I've spoken and written a lot about. And, you know, I tell them, I think they may roll it out 70, 80 percent globally before the rapture if the Lord tarries is coming. But I don't think they'll ever roll it out in America. It's just it's just too complex, too complicated and too many freedom loving people. They're going to need something to bring down America to make America cry out, hey, we need the one world system to help us because we can't help ourselves. We're, we're devastated. And that whether that happens before the rapture or after the rapture, before the rise of the Antichrist, uh, who's to say? But it's certainly, uh, you know, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't be dogmatic about either view. As far as the Left Behind movie, we saw that this weekend too. 
my biggest beef with it uh, was uh, the gospel, which I, I could have very predictable, but, you know, they used uh, Huckabee, whom I'm not a fan of. I think he's controlled. And it was just an absolutely horrible gospel presentation. And it's just a shame that at a, at a time when people would come to see that because they're interested in what's going on in the world, they didn't do a better job of clearly articulating the simple gospel message that Christ died for our sins and rose from the dead. Uh, they made it sound like you've got to say this prayer uh, that if you, if, you know, and I think Huckabee even says you got to, uh, Jesus mandates that you say this prayer, you know, well, he never says that no place in the entire Bible that says you got to say a prayer to be saved. It's 160 times. It says you got to trust in Jesus Christ alone. So, um, but I thought it was an intriguing movie. I especially liked uh, kind of the way they demonstrated how the, the globalists will, you know, try to uh, dismiss all the the truth and they'll say oh the, we debunked the rapture theory on day one you know kind of like they did with yeah. with covid and all this other stuff you know fascinating <laughs> stuff well they're, they're liars that's for sure what did you think about the casket when they oh i the i commented to wendy about that yeah i i think that's the first time and i i'm if it, it's been so long since i read the books i can't remember the if it comes up in the books but yeah, you know, in my view, Jesus, or the Bible talks about the graves being opened, and so it was interesting that they, they made it seem like the dead in Christ, the, the believers that had died, their bodies could be resurrected without the graves being opened. Is that what you're talking about? Well, he just looked to see if his mother was there. Right. Did she get raptured out of her grave, you know, and I just had never thought about looking to see if a body was there, because we, we talk about millions missing, you know, that we're going to disappear from the earth. Right. It says that the dead shall first. Well, are they supposed to be missing? And, I, and I'd never thought about that. Well, no, I, I had fact. thought about it, but I guess my, uh, I was getting a little more granular. My, my point is that it seems to me the testimony of scripture is that the graves will literally open. You won't have to dig up a grave to check out the casket. The graves will open like the graves, for example, in Jesus day with that token resurrection that happened at the resurrection of Christ. You know, the bodies just didn't just disappear the graves literally opened. But I think the reason they went with the, the way they did is that it's it's difficult to weave that aspect into a narrative in which you're claiming that all these people just vanished because they were taken up by aliens. If you've got all these open graves throughout the world, it's how do you how do you explain that? So I don't know, but it was interesting. But yeah, there's no question biblically that the graves, whether they're opened or not, are going to be empty because of believers because they believers yeah. get that have died, their bodies get reconstituted and glorified. Paul says this mortal must put on immortality. A flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom. Uh, and then the, the bodies or the graves of unbelievers don't get resurrected until after the millennium at the great white throne. So yeah, interesting stuff. Well, Bill, thank you very much. Uh, it's always uh, just, uh, you know, like you say, iron sharpens iron. Uh, you didn't say that. I think someone said that in, in thousand years before Christ, but uh, it is a, it is steel on steel and we appreciate that. Uh, I'd love to have you on again sometime. If you think of anything that you'd love to talk about, or if I do, I'll reach out and we'll see if we can't pick a time, but remember to go to compass.org, uh, check out uh, everything that uh, Compass International has to offer. And um Again, thanks so much for, for joining us today. For my audience, I uh, heard you to come out tomorrow night for our inaugural edition of Prophecy Night at Plum Creek. Tuesday night, 6 o'clock, we'll be live streaming. Uh, and uh, But until then, uh, continue to look up and be watchful. Thanks, Bill. God bless. Thank you, JB.